Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, pretty much every day, I spend a lot of time thinking about how to create better, more natural environments for my fishes. This involves studying not only their wild habitats, but techniques to successfully recreate many of the characteristics of these habitats in our aquariums. And of course, this often involves some experimentation and even some risk. In the earlier days of my botanical method aquarium work, I took a lot of risks. I played with different types of materials and ways to recreate some of the aspects of the natural habitats of my fishes and my tanks. And it didn't always go perfectly. I took It took a while to perfect this stuff, or at least to develop techniques that created better outcomes for the fishes. I think it's safe to bet that no lover of aquariums ever wants to put his or her animals' lives in danger. However, when you're traveling into uncharted waters, literally, and trying things that you and few other aquarists have ever done before, the element of risk comes into play. The degree to which we as aquarists take risks is, of course, value a variable thing and a personal thing. However, the idea that the aquarium hobby is completely without risk to our animals sort of overlooks the fundamentals by which we operate. Just removing fishes from a stable wild habitat and acclimating them, and I say that in air quotes, to the conditions that we provide in a glass or acrylic box of water in our suburban living room is a significant risk, right? Fishes have evolved for eons to live their lives in a specific set of environmental characteristics. For example, kerosens and other fishes from soft, acidic, blackwater habitats. And when we force acclimate them to the environmental conditions that are most convenient for us to provide, It's clear to me that we're adding a layer of stress to their existence, aren't we? Now, as we all know, many fishes have been bred and read, you know, for bred and reared for, you know, quite a few generations in environmental conditions that are dramatically different from those in which they evolved. Now, when we're able to breed, for example, a cardinal tetra or whatever, a fish which evolved in soft acidic water, when we're able to breed that fish in hard alkaline tap water, you know, we hail the achievement and make the observation that these fishes are adaptable and that they've been acclimated to our conditions. And it's hard to argue that point, at least on the surface. Spawning any fish is an achievement to be proud of, to be celebrated. We've helped a fish become so comfortable, so adapted to the environment that we provided that it responds to our efforts by initiating eons old programming to start reproducing. That's that's amazing, right? However, I can't help but wonder if there's a difference between adaptable and stress-free or whatever. I mean, just because the fish lives and even breeds in conditions far different than it was evolved to live in doesn't necessarily indicate that the fish is acclimated to them, right? Sure, the fact that a fish is spawning indicates that it's more or less comfortable with your conditions, yet if you take the approach that spawning is an almost automatic thing for many fishes, a necessary survival strategy that assures that the population continues, it's as much a testimony to their tenacity as it is to our skills, right? Not to diminish the effort of, you know, talented breeders around the world. That's not the point here. What I'm getting at is the question of whether or not many fishes are, you know, truly as hardy and happy in our forced acclimation conditions as they would be if maintained and spawned in the conditions to which they have evolved to live in over eons. Have we been really able to undo millions of years of natural evolution in a mere few decades of commercial breeding? Is the breeding survival a survival-induced stress response as opposed to a grand tribute to our skills? Perhaps it's a bit of both. I mean, it's hard to tell. I realize that this theory is not going to go down well with pretty much everyone who breeds tropical fishes. 
And I want to reiterate again that I'm not questioning our practices. It's not, congrats, you bred the rear wild discus in hard alkaline water because the fish is fearing for its survival. You were lucky. It's not about you. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious what is physiologically happening to species of fishes over the long term, which live their lives in conditions significantly different than those they were evolved to live under. Yes, my ignorance of genetics and physiology are showing, but it is something to at least consider, right? I mean, yes, you can absolutely acclimate a neon tetra to hard alkaline water. I won't argue that. Over time, however, will this reduce the overall hardiness or disease resistance of the captive population? Will different genetic selectors come into play, essentially modifying the species from its wild form in terms of its ability to function as designed by nature? Would it be such a crime to provide more natural conditions for the fish as opposed to forcing the fish to adapt to the conditions which we want to or are, which we're a easily able to provide for it? Yes, this calls into question the practice of a century of fish keeping. I totally get this. It goes against the grain of the keeping fishes is easy mantra that the industry needs. So I'm totally aware of the skepticism and unpopularity that this idea might foster. And again, I'm not saying that what we've been doing is wrong. And I know that the hobby has been able to expand and grow as much as it has because not everybody wants to keep or can keep the animals that require dirty brown water and a 5.7 pH makes sense. I just wonder in our century-long efforts to make all sorts of fishes more accessible if we've added an extra layer of stress to their lives. Bringing this all home, I'm no longer amazed by the many, many reports and pictures of all sorts of fishes which come from soft, soft acidic blackwater conditions thriving showing awesome color and reproducing freely when kept in botanical method aquariums i mean it shouldn't be a surprise right the strange dichotomy in the last several decades is that many not all hobbyists have been successful in keeping and breeding fishes in tap water conditions so much so that reports of hearing how well they're doing under more natural conditions are the big news Funny, it wasn't always like this. If you read classic aquarium literature, you know, like Inez and uh, Axelrod and that stuff, you see what great efforts hobbyists went to decades ago to provide more natural conditions for their fishes in order to get them to thrive and spawn. As the hobby exploded, it seems like, at least it seems to me, like it became more about making the fish work in the conditions that were easiest for the bulk of hobbyists to provide. Yet the reports of interesting results keep trickling in from our community. Even though we're not hitting every single environmental touch point, we are checking off a lot of boxes, aren't we? I don't think it's coincidence. You know, repatriating blackwater fishes to their natural conditions under which they evolved for many millions of years just sort of makes sense to me, right? Is it the humic substances and tannins and the lower pH? I, I think so. Sure, most of us cannot possibly maintain the 3.9 to 4.6 pH that some species are found under. I get that. But keeping them in a pH of 5.8 to 6.6 certainly must be better for the fishes long term than, say, a pH of 7.8 to 8.2, right? Now, this argument can be made for all sorts of fishes which come from specific environmental conditions, like brackish water fishes, African reef lake cichlids, marine fishes, etc., etc., it's something to ponder as you plan your next or your first botanical method aquarium. It's, it's more than just a pretty display or a unique setup. It's far beyond throwing in some leaves and seed pods and watching the water color up, isn't it? Now, sure, an argument can be made that the captive bred fishes which we keep are more easy to provide uh, in, in our more easy to provide tap water conditions could evolve through selection to be better equipped to survive in a variety of conditions than their wild brethren, which hail from very specific environmental parameters, right? 
Maybe. I'm still not 100% certain that a few generations of captive breeding can erase millions of years of evolution in specific environmental conditions. It's an argument that can go many ways. It's very much the art and science of providing fishes which can, with conditions far more representative of those under which they've evolved than we've typically done. To us, it's a voyage of discovery, a grand experiment filled with surprises and challenges. It's not as easy as it looks. To us, it's a new experience, like doing something in a different way that we've taken for granted for so long. To our fishes, perhaps, maybe, it's like going home. Well, sort of. Enjoy your journey while facilitating theirs. Stay creative, stay resourceful, stay bold, stay experimental, stay dedicated, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.